Hey, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. It's Robbie with Believe in the Run. And we have a fun one this week for you. I mean, yeah. it's Ben Morrow from Brooklyn, New York, where it seems like that seems to be like where all the clothing companies are sprouting. I mean, it's a good place to be. Fashion industry of the entire universe. Yeah. Have you ever heard of FIT? Um, it sounds like a boot camp. It's a fashion institute of technology right there in New York City. Yeah. Okay. So but it's they not, get, it's not like CrossFit? It, well, I'm sure there's a CrossFit uh, gym as well. But you could wear these clothes to the CrossFit gym, but they're going to be a little bit too sporty for that. This is like hardcore, I consider, racing gear. Ben's going to tell us that it's also like commuter gear as well, but we'll check it out. And uh, yeah, I think if you haven't been to the Fashion Institute of Technology or the Garmin District, Robbie, next time you take the kids, swing on <laughs> by. <laughs> um, and we didn't mention the company. It's Ben from Myler Running. I didn't say Myler? No. All right. <laughs> let's go. All right. All right, Robbie. So we've got Ben Morrow from Myler Running. And uh, not everybody's heard of Myler Running because it's more of a boutique brand coming out of Brooklyn, New York. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk to him a little bit and find out uh why he, like this is tough so like there's got to be a reason behind why you'd want to build a brand new brand brand new brand but yeah um so uh welcome to the show ben yeah uh thanks for having me yeah um i feel like you guys have kind of supported me since i started uh when you answered my cold email so uh <laughs> Which, i should uh, when was that bring, make, was, was that's that like, like three years ago tw was it 2019 2020 i think it was the the depths of the pandemic yeah, yeah. Uh, i couldn't produce anything more so i was just like who can i email that might uh you know show some love so well we actually you know we love when new brands come along and especially boutique brands because there's always something missing like nobody builds a brand without feeling like hey there's something i can bring unique to the sport and i'm guessing that may be somewhat of the reasoning behind starting Myler. Yeah, yeah. I think um, running's like such a huge sport that um, all these new boutique brands have like really filled different needs and stuff. Um, and for me, like I, I ran in um, high school and college competitively. I then moved to New York City and didn't really expect much from running. Um, and that was kind of the case the first few years, like learning the ropes here. But then as I met a lot of the people that um, were running here and that didn't come from competitive backgrounds, whether it was like creative industries or professional or, I mean, million myriad of reasons, um, there was like a new creative energy and spirit um, about like their approach to running. And I didn't feel like there was a brand that kind of made products for them and then kind of embody that spirit so that was like really the origin of Myler. um there's also like my personal path there um which was very winding but yeah so what what is the, what niche would you say that you're in like can you kind of describe for people who maybe haven't heard of the brand or seen the brand yet like how does it fit into running and where was that need that it's it's hitting yeah um so the brand is very uh like New York centric and that's both kind of in the function and the design. So I, I do always try to blend like performance and aesthetics with the brand just cause, um, you know, since the nineties, a lot of like running apparel has been very performance or like bright colors, just like kind yeah. of that, um, in that vein. <laughs> so and still is some days, uh, yeah. although that's cool now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I think it's, it's, uh, it's New York centric in that, like the design is very modern and minimalist, which I think like a lot of, um, people in New York like gravitate toward. Um, and then from a functional and design perspective, like running in New York city requires a bit more, um, just like your attention and the product you're wearing, like. For example, if you're going to meet a friend after a run and you're running from like A to B, you might need to like carry an extra layer on your body uh, that you can like keep dry while you run 
so you can like put it on after um and just basic functional stuff like pockets uh enough pockets for phone keys subway car whatever it is um and i think like if it if the product works for that it's probably going to work in a lot of other contexts um and the truth is like we don't have the liberty of like hopping into our car after or like changing in a towel like there's just none of that is available here um so i think that's what kind of really drives the product in a unique way versus um like some other brands gotcha and you're uh so you're based in brooklyn new york correct yeah so i'm based in brooklyn the product is made in new york city um in the garment district uh and yeah and like most of our shoot like where we shoot and stuff it's it's all pretty local okay which is pretty rare because even for you know brands uh smaller brands more boutique brands there are a lot of a lot of their apparel is still made overseas there's not i don't know i can't think of any off the top of my head that are like everything's made in the u.s i would say as far as like that's the brands thing i'm trying to think I'm, i don't know correct me if i'm wrong but it's i feel like you're one of the very very few yeah there's some that are made um maybe like locally in europe if they're a european brand yeah um but i don't know any like i think ymr um, track club yeah they're made because they have a oh, yes. like a fashion district there that but i also think that they probably are getting help from the i think there's government assistance with some of these norway like the those countries to yeah. yeah scandinavian countries to produce goods and export them um you get some support what i think is also interesting is the the quality of the mylar gear like where, where you're saying it's very minimalistic yeah the color is for the most part i know you just did a turtle shell um a tortoise shell uh collab with an artist but for the most part it's black and the the only thing that stands out it's even as funny because i remember talking to you a while back and i was like hey you might want to put something that stands out a little bit so that it has a branding to it because it's so um clean looking that it it like you're not gonna go like you see the sash on tracksmith and you say tracksmith you see bandits kind of like little uh, logo on it you're like okay bandit myler is so clean and even you'll do like a black on black uh murdered out you know logo on on there if if it you'd even say that but what stands out about the product is the way the fabrics feel and and the quality of the fabric so from the singlet and even this morning, I, I, you know, I knew I was going to be talking to you. So I threw on my uh, half tights and went for a run. I'm like, these really just feel fantastic. So is there a reason why you don't kind of like scream Myler or put something on there so that people know that, you know, because it's a premium product? Yeah, um, I think that's just driven by like kind of the aesthetic I gravitate towards which is um just a bit more muted and I I think as I've like been building the brand I found the the more muted the branding is then like the more I'll enable others to like be creative on top of it um whether that's like a club or a crew modifying the singlets or putting their own branding on top of it um and sometimes when I'm going out for a run, like I don't want to think about things clashing or, uh, you know, just like I, I kind of think of it as um, as a uniform a little bit in the same way like your uniform might be like a pair of jeans and a, a t-shirt or um, you know whatever your your style is. Um, I'm also partially colorblind, so that's <laughs> kind of like in the <laughs> beginning that, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> And when you're when you're starting a brand, the the colors that are available at like small like at small quantities are usually just black. That's mm -hmm. um, well, my favorite so, color, so that works out. Yeah, yeah, it's same here. So it was all convenient at the time. Um, and then there is a big spring collection coming out where I'm finally doing a few more colors, um, like dark gray, light gray. So it's still the same. <laughs> Alex, you're, you're not going to need all uh, your rods and cones. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first time I've like developed a color. So, you know, I like specified this Pantone, they dye it, etc. Um, 
when you're small and, and buying small quantities of, of um, fabric, you only can either buy like black or or like some stock colors if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was kind of the beginning of it. And then I'd also say, like if you read our, our brand manifesto, I, I state that it's like we create modern and creatively inspired pieces. And to date, it's been all modern pieces, the black, the white, you know, the, the monochrome. But today when I released the, the tortoise shell stuff, that was kind of the creative side of the business, um, which are just like more experimental stuff or collaborations, um, like storytelling. Um, and I think like those, that helps inject special energy into running, you know, like maybe when you're just tired, you put on the uniform, the modern black all murdered out kit but like when you're going into race day you're like oh i'll buy the tortoise shell i'll put that on like, like this is really going to speak volumes yeah. but it's still a muted i mean you still it, it still doesn't like scream with a logo <laughs> like a supreme something well but, that, um, that is interesting with the logo comment that i didn't think about before was that i it is when i get dressed in the morning and i put on a branded shoe i typically don't like to mix uh like if a shoe, if like I won't wear an Adidas top if I'm wearing Nike shoes or Nike gear if I'm wearing ASIC shoes or whatever, I, I kind of like to stay neutral uh, or match. Uh, I don't know if that makes me weird, but like um, the nice thing about having the Myler is it can, like, I'll throw that on and I could race with any shoe and have a brand agnostic sort of kit. I don't know if you could wear the books ghost with it <laughs> that's Sorry. a tough one to right <laughs> yeah so i get i get that point but then you talked about like people modifying themselves and you're you're coming out with uh you know you meticulously design these things tape seams everything there's not uh you know you, you're going out above and beyond to kind of create something specific you don't mind when a brand uh, when somebody else throws their brand on top of it uh, no, not at all. Like that's almost more like they're willing to modify it and uh, create something new out of it. Like that's almost more empowering to me, so to speak. Like that um, they obviously like it, it inspired something else. So I guess it's like a pass it along or something like that. Um, and you know, there's uh, there's just like in the running community, there are so many crews, affiliations clubs what have you so like i'm not trying to create a new one i'm just trying to like maybe provide something new to those those communities and i think kind of the the muted palette was it's kind of one way i've done that so so i went to get back to uh starting myler and you said you started during the pandemic or right before it um it's like kind of a difficult time to get through (laughs) kind of uh so what is how did that work out for you and i mean in some ways to be honest well i mean you think that the challenges that you have was was manufacturing like everybody shut down yeah 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 exactly and so i guess in some ways i'm surprised that you're still around because it's a huge challenge for a small business to start like that so how did you navigate that and continue you know making garments and still you're still here today yeah so i started like a couple months before the pandemic um like new york marathon 2019 it was great people were wearing it then winter happened and i don't even have like i had shorts in a singlet so people don't buy shorts in a sink in the in the winter uh, unless they live in la and then uh then the pandemic happened and I still had some inventory, but my factory at first they shut down and then they opened again, like I want to say that first summer spring, but they were exclusively making um, medical gowns for New York um, city because the medical gowns required like bonded seams and ultrasonic welding. Mm. And there are like two people in New York city that do that. Most of the manufacturing here is like, typical sewing machines and stuff and that's not good enough for the medical gowns so the factory was doing only that for a long time and um i i also was kind of like you know just put it on pause really for like a year because of that 
and it was hard to meet mills and source fabric. And, um, it was just me. Um, but after a year, as things like opened up again, um, I was able to restart and working with the same factory, um, the, you know, in the beginning, they only took me on because one of the owners was a runner. Mm. Um, you know, typically factories don't like to work with, um, inexperienced people. And I, you know, my background is in finance, so I, I knew kind of nothing about this industry. Um, and they, they call those emerging designers in fashion, <laughs> like word. I, I wouldn't call myself that. Um, but yeah, so that was like, that relationship helped me, um, when we like restarted. Um, and I, and I used two other factories in the city here for like small things. Um, but the, like the garments are, are primarily made at this same factory. Um, and that relationship's been key. Um, and, I, and because one of the owners was a runner, it was a lot easier to communicate right. things about the product. Like when I'm like explaining the, the liner and shorts, I'm like, the lag hole has to be precisely this circumference or it's going to feel too tight or too loose. Like the elastic is really important. The fabric's important. There are so many nuances. Like how I, did you teach uh, yourself all of this? Like that's, yeah. that's a crazy thing. I'm sure he gave you a little bit of help on his side knowing, you know, the manufacturing side of it, but this, like, it just seems like a heavy lift for one person, especially coming from a different background that isn't, you know, wasn't going to FIT or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the factory helped me a lot from the get factory and sample room, um, like hand holding, uh, and like accepting really shitty explanations for like what <laughs> I want. Uh, and I took, uh, like the first thing I did was take a lot of other brand garments and kind of deconstruct them and really study them. Cause I think when you're wearing clothes, you're often not thinking too much about them. Um, you might like, you know, maybe the fit of a t-shirt, but you're not thinking about like the different types of seams that come in there. Like the, the order of operations for creating something to like minimize the number of visible theme seams. And like when you like study a, a suit jacket, like it's remarkable the process that goes into making that like mm -hmm. on the seemingly outside, like just pretty simple flat garment. But like on the inside, there are so many steps to it. So I just started studying the garments a lot. And then um, I quickly realized I needed to learn Adobe Illustrator because to like do a good drawing, you know, I used to like take pictures of of my drawn like hand you know with a pen and there's like turn up the contrast and throw it on the computer <laughs> uh but like so eventually i learned illustrator and then um i i actually do all the tech packs now because i found that's like the best way to communicate your design like to translate your vision to exactly what you want the the sample room or the factory to do um and thankfully I run every day. So I would get a sample and I would just like run in it every day. Uh, and I could quickly get feedback. Um, and I think, you know, I only had one garment at a time, like the latest one. So I couldn't like hand tend uh, testers and stuff. Um, but that also like helped kind of like, there's, there, there's a lot of disagreement sometimes about like how running apparel should be made. Like, is there a liner? Is there no liner? Mm -hmm you know, seven inch half tight versus nine inch half tight. And those are just preferences. So I tried to just say like, okay, here's what I want. I only have this much budget. I'll make one. And in the future, I can make a bit more, um, you know, and have like different lengths and stuff. And that'll start to come out in the spring. Um, Do you so find there's a demand for it though? Like I usually feel like, especially with something like a, a the half tight, there, there's yes. sort of um there's trends like I, like i know that like five inch and three inch for regular loose short are kind of like the staples for most brands they have a five inch they have a three inch there's variants of that four inch and two inch whatever but for the most part it kind of also is dictated by the style so the miler style and knowing that it's more representational of the new york running scene somewhat of a more fashion can you dictate over preference or do you feel like you still have to cater to people's preference? Um, I think 
the running market's like really big. So as long as you're connecting with like the customers that you're designing for, um, you don't have to like cater to a, a giant mass market. Um, but I think having a little bit of variability always helps. And, uh, in the beginning, it just wasn't an option. Um, but in the future, I, I kind of would like to offer more. Um, cause I just find it's always a mixed bag, what people want. And, you know, there, there are some trends, but I think runners in general kind of want, or, or most runners, especially men kind of want the same thing all the time. Um, like you, you want to be able to buy the same running short maybe every couple years, if you're like a really picky customer. And I find when I would shop at like the big brands, you know, and I, I worked at a running store when I was a kid, like every summer, it was like, you couldn't, sometimes there'd be a style that would repeat each summer, but often it was like the Nike short was entirely different. And you're like, uh, you know, I'm going to just wear the same pair I had last year. Cause like this one's a totally different product. So I'm trying to create a uniform and a reliable like product offering that people know they can come back to. And maybe it's a new color or a new fabric, like one variable variable that changes, but you can still kind of get the same thing or something you know well and are familiar with. Yeah, I think that's the genius behind Tracksmith. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You, you like the Van Cortland short, right. we'll give it to you at 20 different colors. And I'm still mm -hmm. bitter that the North Face discontinued the Better Than Naked short, and I've been petitioning for it for like se <laughs> six years. There's a lot years. of people that love that one. It's like the best short ever, and <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. And it's just how many people are on your team now, back. Ben? Pardon? How many people are on the team right now? Uh, it's just me. So See, this is in like th this is insane. First off, the quality that you're putting out for one man team, but two, it's just like. You got to have a lot of faith in yourself and what you're doing or like just dedicated to what you're doing, passion for what you're doing to, to go through the pandemic, put this line together and, and pretty much do it all on your own back. Yeah. I mean, I would say I have a lot of support around me and, um, a lot of like a lot of the work, especially like the marketing work, I, there are some creative people I work with and contract with like regularly um and without them like myler wouldn't exist so um and then just like friends that i run with every day who can test something or comment on something and um you know during that like year where i was like off or or on pause there was one friend that that lived above me who just like saw me stretching outside and he uh like he was like hey what's up and i told him about the brand and he's like i'll buy shorts and a top like sight <laughs> unseen uh so it's kind of like and now he's like one of my best friends so support like that kind of helps me through the pandemic just people that are like no this is good like don't give up um helped a lot and then like the same people being around for the brand and it is getting to a point where i need to hire someone just like there's a lot of things i'm juggling at one time um but I also have seen a lot of fashion brands in particular like get in over their head by taking in too much money, hiring too many people, having too much overhead. And then it's like this like rat race to, to keep growing and the thing never ends up being profitable. Mm. So I'm trying to be really intentional with the growth and that's why it's been just me to date. Um, but there there is a, a turning point where I'll have to, to bring in some other people. So. I'm interested because you said you had a background in finance, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Bandit founder also has a background in finance. Is that Tim West? Yeah, Tim West. Um, is that something that you feel like is critical to your, the or success, or you know how you've done with Tyler so far, or um, the finance industry that or, bad? Or yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, or did you? Is that something where you just get burned out on? You're like, I need to be creative and do something else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of all of it. I guess I can kind of backtrack to that. So I, I worked in private equity, which is like was buying and selling like really bankrupt companies. Mm -hmm. um, did like you call the woman? Hold up! Did you cause the two thousand eight? <laughs> <laughs> Were you with Lehman Brothers? <laughs> uh, there was, and there, I mean, there was, 
Yeah. Good. Well, there was one company we owned, which was a, a textile mill in North Carolina, and they made like denim. Um, I know. And that. So that was I actually like, know what mill you're talking about. Yeah. How do you know? Yeah. Why? They did they make like the selvage like denim and yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just remember reading I thought, about it. I thought Selvage denim was Japanese. I don't but know. it's like their their version of yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, what happened is like this mill made the best denim for a long time. Then there was this offshoring trend. So they like sold a lot of these looms, like the things that made the denim. Yeah. The Japanese bought them because they thought American denim was really good. And now a lot of Selvage denim is made in Japan because they have all these looms. So then... The U.S. has now started buying those looms back because they <laughs> want to make here. So this is the weird, like, messed up nature of, like, American fabric manufacturing that has, like, kind of crippled the industry. Mm. And that's why, like, as fabrics are in Europe and sometimes Japan and Asia. Um, anyway, that was, that was a bit of a tangent, but... Um, that was my first, like, that sparked my interest the first, like, the first time I saw that that mill, um, and then I quit without a plan. Like I just, I kind of got fed up. I liked what I was doing, like, but it's pretty. Uh, it's hard to find like a place that isn't toxic, I guess, so sure. to speak. Uh, well, the goal is really money, count- right? Yeah, it's just exactly like that's how you measure yourself <laughs> at that point. Yeah, yeah, um, but I like I learned a lot, so. And when I left, I was like, I want to do something different. So I first I wanted to do architecture, but I realized it was going to be a lot of years and money before I could like bring a building to life. Um, so then I kind of downscaled my ambitions to a medium that was like achievable or executable in three months, and that was clothing. And I I knew, I mean, I I had the running path, you know, background too. So it was kind of merging that like want to to get into design and then seeing like a need in running and something just you know picking something i knew really well um and that was kind of the, the path well what's interesting about that is the pandemic did free people up for educational opportunities because you know a lot of people had time to learn new skills and stuff during the pandemic did you feel like maybe there's a possibility that while you know a lot of bad came out of the pandemic, it might've actually been something good for you to, as far as to kind of like help you ramp up to where, to, to start the company and get your skills in line. Yeah. It's certainly like, I felt like I had more time to kind of learn some of the, the design skills I needed. And it wasn't like you weren't being drawn in 10 directions. Cause you were, you were mostly home. Um, but but like, I don't know, you know, like it, I, I'm glad that things worked out. A lot of like fortuitous things happened during the pandemic between like moving and relationships and stuff for me. Um, and then I also started running, uh, trail running a lot during the pandemic. Like a friend bought a car and took me upstate every weekend. And those were weekends where I was really testing the products a lot. And uh, when you do like a four hour trail run, with a vest and um, everything like that's kind of the ultimate test for a product like just because it it's enduring so much mm-hmm. um, and this friend happened to be like kind of a gear junkie too so I would like learn a lot from him and, and bounce ideas off him um, so there's a lot of things like that during the pandemic that just like were coincidental but wouldn't have happened if, uh, if we weren't kind of all uh, a little bit isolated it's kind of interesting because I would think of the Myler collection as very urban, very city road running oriented and to find out that most of it gets tested on trails and stuff kind of blows my mind. Yeah, I think I, you know, I, I have to run in the city five, six days a week. Yeah. Uh, but then, and that's like one type of testing. And then I think the other type of testing is like an ultra run or a long trail run. Um, and I think, and I will have like a trail collection this summer. Um, so, but it, people that live in New York, I think are, you, you are physically kind of uh, locked down a bit here, but like, if you don't get outside the city on occasion, you 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 might go a little stir crazy. So um, I think 
a lot of people here do like also kind of are able to explore the outdoors a bit more than you'd expect. Yeah. So when you go trail running outside the city, do you drive there? Do you, is there a way to take public transportation out to trails or I'm not very familiar. So you, you take can, the L train. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, you can take the train to the beach. So we'll, a lot of us will run to the beach and take the train back like okay, the, the cool. subway. Yeah. But, uh, with trail running, uh, I typically drive, but I've also taken the train. So Metro North from like Penn or uh, from Grand Central will take you to Beacon, Cold Spring, Poughkeepsie, all of which like there's great trail running yes. right out the door. That's crazy. Um, yeah. If you thought that, west, what's that? But do you thought that, that you could take the train to trail well, running? Kind of. Well, in a way, because one time I did hike the Appalachian Trail from like PA to New York City to New York. And then we took, we just jumped off the trail and took a bus and we were like in Times Square in like an hour. So that's bizarre. So that was crazy. Just coming off the trail for like 10 days and then being in Times Square was with our packs and everything was pretty wild. American werewolf right in. In, in New York. Yeah. But I, so I guess I just never like, I mean, yeah, I guess that's the Appalachian Trail people run on there, but I didn't know if there was other ways to get out there. Uh, yeah. Via. So how long does that take to get up to Poughkeepsie or other places like that? So the main, like, I bet, I think the best running is from Beacon, um, yeah. and from Grand Central, it's like an hour. Oh, um, that's awesome. The, yeah. Hour's yeah. still a long time. Yeah, but I mean, we, if you think about it, like, us driving. But taps goes a half hour. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, you know, yeah. you get to some good trail running. So no, like nobody's that. really from New York, I guess, the city anyway. Uh, where are you from originally? I guess there's people from, that's a. A shitty thing to say. There's probably people from Brooklyn their whole life. And, well, it's like Baltimore. Yeah. Everyone's from here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where 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 were, you, where were you before New York? And where did you run in uh, college? I grew up in in Oregon. Um, so like a lot of running culture yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I went to school in North Carolina at Wake Forest. Okay. Okay. So then, gotcha. Demon Deacon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There we go. The oddest mascot ever yeah yeah it is it is a weird one <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah so and you end up in new york how does that happen uh i came here for a job really um i you know i guess like there it was just like where everyone was going so i, I didn't really know what i was getting into um and like when you travel here, it's stressful because you're like in and out, staying in a hotel, doing a lot of things. But like once you live here, I think you can settle down a lot more and enjoy it mm -hmm. and find like so much. So it wasn't until I was like living here after a couple years, finally had some free time because I was working a lot um, that I like really grew to to love the city. Are you in Oregon? Are you from rural Oregon or? Or like where where are you from? There, I guess you're it would Portland be in Oregon. <laughs> there you go. What's that? Portland would be your option of not oh, rural. Oh not rural. <laughs> or like I guess Eugene's a college town. I wouldn't say it's like it's like kind of how Penn State is state college. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in uh like thirty minutes outside Portland, so not the okay. rural part. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not this the vibe of a city isn't that far off from, from where you grew up, I guess. No, but, but Portland is like very quiet as far as cities go. I mean, it, it, yeah. 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 It's funny because we were just in Tokyo for the Tokyo Marathon and which is as technically larger city, much larger city than New York. It's huge. But the idea of the dichotomy of being in Tokyo, then a couple weeks later being in New York City and just how different they are as far as cleanliness, quiet, so Polite. bizarre. <laughs> But that's part of the appeal of New York. Like you know? that's the thing. We uh, have you been to Tokyo? I have not. Yeah. Okay. We were debating because New York is so. They they both are are vibrant cities, but in completely different ways. Like it, it's you have to if you get a chance, especially since you're living in Brooklyn and stuff, and you're there all the time. If you get a chance to go to Tokyo, I think you'll be blown away. I think you'll 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 love it. But I don't know. Like Robbie's like he couldn't live there. I think I could live there. Yeah, there's too much order. <laughs> People wait it. So they know jaywalking and everybody, like if it's a red light, they line up in like a formal line yeah. to go across the street. I need a little bit of chaos in my life. Yeah. yeah. That has, I mean, I heard my 
that were going to run, they were like, it's hard to get a, like a training run in because there's not like, I guess if you don't, can't jaywalk, it's a lot. If you couldn't jaywalk in New York, you couldn't go for a run. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It was very, speaking of that, yeah, you'd have this. I mean, it's kind of weird because we did do loops around a park for our takeout yeah, run in the park. It was called Central Park, but it was about, uh, I would say, 100. two city blocks long yeah. square. Yeah. It was central to that prefecture. That was about it. Yeah. <laughs> But enough about our toe, anyways. Toe but yeah, if you if you do get the chance to go there, you definitely you definitely need to do it. But, yeah. Um, so if everything goes right for Myler, and your plans come to fruition, what are we looking at in say uh, down the road? Like what what can we expect coming from from your brand? Um. Yeah. Near term, there's a a big spring collection. Um. And that's something I'm calling like the work collection. So it's a bit more versatile uh, across seasons. Cause right now everything is, uh, everything I released to date is the base collection, which is like um, very breathable, lightweight, uh, ideal for summer or, or mild condition. So the work collection will be um, a lot more versatile, uh, new line of tops, new line of bottom, different cuts, a new half tight and like a heavier fabric, I think just to like kind of, again, I'm trying to cater to a bit more people, hat, stuff like that. And then in the summer, there'll be a trail collection, um, something you could wear like at an ultra for multiple hours or on a trail. Um, and then next winter, there'll be finally some like winter gear, merino tops, full tight, uh, rain jackets, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think like broadly speaking, um, I, you'll see more of the the creative pieces coming from the brand, like the tortoise shell. Um, those just take a bit more time to get going, and I I wanted to always like perfect the basics first, and then you kind of layer on complexity. Um, so, and then yeah, I'm I'm starting to finally have a bit more time to do like events and stuff. Um, just you know, like uh, some friends want to do something for 420, so we have that coming up. Um, and then I'm also, um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then that's like a thing a big brand couldn't do. So yeah, I'm yeah, like happy. Yeah. Well, I guess one of the questions I have, like, uh, will it always be direct to consumer or like, would your goal to be selling into retail? Like what, what's your, what's your way of getting this product into people's hands? Yeah, I think it's mostly going to be direct to consumer because making things in New York is a lot more expensive. So like that kind of wipes out the the yeah. wholesaler margin for the brand. Um, but I've I've spoken to running stores before, and you know you can. It's just a little hard to to kind of carry a product in running store at this at this scale, um, and just the like the the profit you'd make from them is is probably not worth the headache right now. Yeah. Um, how things go i mean i i do think kind of being on some large online retailers is is really helpful just for like exposure um but i'm, I'm keeping an open mind about it but for now it's just direct to consumer to, to keep things simple and i'm always like really just focused on the product right now so like i'm trying not to get distracted with uh How? you know other other adding other things is there uh somebody who's put out a playbook pretty much that you want to follow or are you kind of just going to forge your own way? Um, I mean, I'd say any boutique brand that's been existent in the last five years has like, I mean, they've also normalized like paying more for Quality. clothing. Um, yeah. And like that, like the running apparel we bought, you know, up until like, I don't know, 2012, 2015. I mean, like, you're paying next to nothing because it's made overseas, bad, bad fabric, et cetera. Ill-fitting. Um, yeah. So <laughs> like the Tracksmith, Satisfy, District Visions of the World, Soar, they normalized like paying a bit more for the brand and without them having paved that road, like I couldn't do what I'm doing. Um, and I, I think people are getting used to spending the same amount of money on running clothes as they would a pair of jeans or shoes something you wear every day where like comfort is really important. And if you are like, if your primary identity is a runner, like 
you you would want to spend as much on running clothes as uh as like what you wear to work or something yeah that, that's my hope no it's interesting because we just posted an article about like how to run on a budget and <laughs> one of the one of the things that i mentioned in it um that i added on kind of to the end was you can find out the the best deals and the cheapest clothes online and sure you can go to the outlets and buy something for super cheap but you're also that item's going to wear out a lot faster than say if you spent something twice as much like you know one of our favorite things is a tracksmith brighton base layer that's last yeah that's what we wear it like every day of the winter or a variation of it robbie does because do. he doesn't have to wash i have to wash it in between wears yeah I've washed it like twice you all have, winter. You have washers there because we don't we don't have washer dryer. You know, oh, so you no. need merino in your life. Exactly, <laughs> it's a necessity. And or so, not to sweat. And so that, but you can wear that constantly, and that'll last you for four or five years. I mean, well, really, as long as you want. And so if you're doing it on like a cost per wear basis, you're getting way more value out of something like that as opposed to like a tech sleeve that's going to smell horrible after two months of wearing it you're going to have to throw out yeah Yeah. but i think i think and i'll just i'm going to let ben give his two cents but my my thing about it is as far as sports go one running is probably still like if you go against cycling golf uh any of the other sports the amount that you spend on the sport is ridiculous like go look at a pair of rafa um cycling kit yeah i mean you're dropping a thing but the other thing is we'll gladly throw 250 dollars at a pair of super shoes that we wear for 200 miles maybe get two three races out of it but a garment a nice quality garment like say the miler uh, half tight you buy that you have it for four five six seasons you're probably going to get sick of it before it gets to a place where you really need to throw it out um so it it is skewed that the value people put towards their apparel versus what their footwear is. The footwear is the flashy and the apparel is yeah. like, okay, we'll just throw it on. But I do feel like you're right that the identity as people, especially in these, as we create these groups and running groups, there is an aesthetic that goes along with it and you see it happening. And I think that's why CLA caps took off the way they did in November project. It was like, Oh, you're part of November project. What's your secret sign? It's the CLA hat that you're going to wear, you know, to, to workouts, to fit in or whatever. So it, it, it does become a uniform. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that and, uh, would add that people are increasingly buying running clothes and also wearing them casually sometimes, which helps like maybe justify the cost that you're paying for something. And my goal is like, if you put on a Myler shirt or something, it's like, it's sexy enough, cool enough, uh, aesthetically pleasing enough that you like might wear it out too. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be an athleisure brand, you know, where like all you do is wear spandex and, and performance tees. But like, if you're traveling, it's nice to have a few running pieces that you might actually like enjoy wearing out one night and then you run in it the next day you know and i think that's kind of the ideal um is like making running apparel that just like makes you feel so good you kind of actually want to wear it outside running i've seen robbie wearing some running apparel casually yeah well like when i was in new york i I saw that picture (laughs) I, i wore the satisfy long sleeve which like is a lot of money but it's also the most comfortable probably one of the most comfortable pieces of clothing I've ever had. And I wore, it's nice to wear just like as an over, like an outer layer, just uh, when it's cooler out. And, or if it's like in the fifties when you're running, it feels great. And it's one of those things that you can wear everywhere. So it does double that, you know, use case for the, for the garment. So I, yeah, I think, and I love that a lot more uh, running brands are doing that same thing kind of with like CLA, a lot of their stuff. Um, you can, that. You can double down. Yeah. yeah. So we talked a little bit before we started uh, recording here about some of the things that you got coming up with uh, your personal running. Uh, can you share some of the events that you're planning on uh, hitting this year in this spring? Uh, for me personally or the brand? Oh, for you. Well, we could get cover so both, but the, yeah. Well, you said you're doing the Leatherman's and the Leatherman and the Leatherman yeah. Loop. 
Leatherman. Leatherman. Is that like based uh, off the Leatherman tool, or is that just a totally different thing? Or is the Leatherman based off of the tool? Is the tool the based off yeah, of this? Yeah, they named the tool after yeah. the race. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, that race, uh, the Breakneck um, Marathon, which is from Beacon, which is like the home turf that I have for for trail running. Um, it's it's a um, Solomon race golden trail series and USA TF trail team qualifier. So oh, wow. That's um, right. That's I don't a... think I answered that, but it's going to be very competitive, which is, which is fun. What shoe do you like wearing on the trail? I'm wearing some ons right now, but I, I traditionally have ran in Los Sportivas or Solomon's. Okay, what, um, which on are you wearing? Cloud I'm beast. not good with. I knew what they look like, but I don't always know the model. Is it like the white one, uh, the whitish one? Yeah, it's got like kind of a white um, bottom and then like a darker top. I think it's the Cloud Ultra. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. No comment. Go <laughs> <laughs> hey. uh, talk to Mafe. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to cycle through trail shoes because like I like to get. 300 miles on them you know the the standard but i'm not on trail trails enough, that so often, yeah years to, i already to know like get... yeah i can already tell you're fast on trails like so um you should definitely check out like the hoka rocket i mean the tecton uh, tecton x this the new one it's so good like um i love the 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 asics um trabaco max too yeah that's a great sh- it's just more of like an ultra like you know, not a, as much of a faster shoe with the Tecton. It's like a speedier, like speedier, but also like a great road to trail shoe. So if you needed to, I like that. you could even, honestly, you could wear it on the street and it's as good as a lot of the Hoka road shoes. Yeah. Um, what, what, what do you wear on the street? Oh, when I'm running. So I'm, well, I've got a friend that has like a Solomon connect now. So I'm not a solid, I guess I'll take free shoes and I can get them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it's the Solomon Phantasm. Yeah. Phantasma. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. their road shoes are new and there's like certain things I would change on the upper, but underfoot, it feels great. So, yeah, that shoe, especially uh, the upper is kind of sloppy. And, uh, no, that, that was the one where like, it was like, there was no root. The toe box was kind of weird. And it was like, it was like too tight. I, I, yeah. It's the one that the CLA did the yeah, yeah. collab with. I just couldn't get oh, it yeah, fit, and then fit the, correct. Yeah, the exactly. Heel counter. The heel was the messed up. Collar was a little yeah. 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 But before that, I was in like the Hoka Clifton's. The they box. have a really good Hoka Clifton comparable cushioned trainer. The new one, the, um, the Cl- Climax. Yeah. I think that's really nice. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, so hit, hit him up for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's been a while since I've gotten free shoes, so I'm I'm like leaning into this. Yeah. You, hey, it's been. You got to call him. Just be like, look, I just got three hundred on my Phantasm. So. So are yeah. are you interested in doing ultra running, or are you just sticking to like faster trail races? Yeah, so I my sweet spot's like the 50k trail run. Oh, nice. Um, because, like, so coming from competitive running, I'm used to like not stopping or, or you know like, and so the the trail marathon or trail 50k, mm-hmm. I can keep going. Like I can go. Like there's no, and that's kind of the race mentality I have. Um, when it gets up to like these 50 mile or 100 milers, like. It's a different ballpark. Switching and gears. <laughs> I, yeah. If I do one of those, I won't be able to run for a week. And that's like hard for me to do. Like I want to be able to run. The yeah. next. Have you ever heard of the hat 50 K? No. All right. It's in Maryland. Have it a grace. And it is, it's a spectacular 50 K. It's a really good, it's challenging. It's usually three loops, um, two yeah. big loops, one little loop, um, fun terrain. You get everything from technical to, like fire road. Um, but it, it's close by. If you do that, it's close enough that you'd have to come visit and, uh, we could have you in studio. It's actually, yeah, I love that race. It's one of my favorite races and it's in the beginning of sp- spring. So it kind of like kicks off March, like yeah. the, um, yeah, which leads to incredibly variable conditions, but you it keeps know. you, it keeps you training over the winter, which is nice. Mm-hmm. It's a good, it's a fun trail race. So you should definitely check that out. Yeah. Put that on your list. You can take the train down. We'll, 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 we'll take pick it. you up. Yeah. 
All right, so that pretty much wraps it up. Um, if people want to check out Myler Running, it's pretty simple to get to, isn't it? MylerRunning.com or at MylerRunning on Instagram. Um, it's usually me if you're DMing or emailing. So, uh, yeah. Isn't that crazy that those were available? Like, yeah. This, yeah. this late in the game? It's pretty simple. Yeah. MylerRunning.com. Mile running. But then if you combine the R and running with the mile, it is like Myler running. So look at the brain <laughs> doing some <laughs> word things in my head. <laughs> um, but I keep thinking like Miller, like Miller brewing. So I wonder, there's, wonder if there could be like a Myler light. I like that. I mean, I'm talking to like the IRS or anybody. I just say Miller running because they, uh, people don't know what a Myler is. Yeah. Like they, they think it's, why or something yeah yeah that's weird interesting all right ben well thank you for coming on and uh, people check out the product i have to tell you i've run in it now since before the pandemic probably the the quality is really nice the singlets and the stuff it's silky smooth like i i, I would say like sometimes we get um product and they'll be like this is japanese you know nylon or whatever i would say this whatever you're using is as uh great to the touch as anything I've had from any of the countries that we've gotten stuff sent. So you got to check it out. Also, as mentioned, I was running in the half tight this morning. I really like it. If it's raining up in Boston, I do think that'll probably be something I'll throw under my Adidas uh, split shorts so that um, I, I can avoid some of that chafing. Guys, yeah, you're you're the experts. So I, I really appreciate uh, you guys taking a liking to the product. Um, and Did you, you've done it from day which I'm really grateful for. Absolutely. And did you hear what he said? We're the experts. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> we tricked him. Yeah, All we right. did it again. All <laughs> right. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Ben. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, man. All right. Take that. All right, that wraps it up, Robbie. That was fun. Yeah, thanks, Ben, for jumping on the podcast with us, talking about your bes—is it bespoke clothing? Kind of. It kind, I mean, Almost. I feel like it's that he's at that level where it's not a ton of gear. So if you want something that is special and that lasts, and we talk about it a little bit, like people will spend three hundred dollars on shoes mm-hmm. that last three hundred miles. Yeah, like I have Myler singlets that I've had, you know, now for over a year to uh, like a three th- years. Th- yeah. I mean, it was pandemic time. Mm-hmm. Are we that far away from pandemic? Yeah, I blocked it out of my oh, memory. So painful. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've had it for a while. Stuff holds up. It feels great that he's using high-quality materials. Check him out. Yeah. All right, thanks, Ben. 